This morning, I'd like to share with you a tale of two concerts, a tale of two rock bands. And I'd like to meditate with you a little bit on the theological difference between transcendence and imminence. I'd like to give you a sense of what Christ's post-ascension body might feel like. And I want to give you an audible taste of the sound of love. First, a bit, a sense of where I'm coming from. I was born in 1983, and though I don't lament this fact all that often, when I do reflect on it, it gives me a sense of heavy-heartedness because I was three years away from being considered by demographer by demographers a member of the coolest most rebellious generation generation x I'm a millennial but despite that fact I still possess a fervent impassioned love for the quintessential band of generation x the red hot chili peppers I have loved their quixotic mix of pop and funk and punk music for as long as I can remember. And you can imagine the elation I felt when, in late 2021, it was announced that their core founding guitarist member, John Frusciante, who had quit the band three times, had rejoined to record two extended albums with the core lineup. I was absolutely elated, and my obsession with the Chili Peppers was rekindled, and I knew when they announced that they'd be going on a worldwide tour that I had to attend. So my wonderful wife, Gracie, and I finagled some vacation time to go to Austin, where we'd moved from for the Austin City Limits Music Festival to see the Chili Peppers. We went with my brother and with my sister-in-law, and they, knowing my obsession, even encouraged me to ditch the group and two hours before the Peppers went on, stake my spot out in front of the stage so I could get as clear a sightline as possible to Anthony Kiedis and Flea and all the members of the band. I did so. I showed up two hours early, and I had the primo spot. Unfortunately, it was a large festival, and over time, gaggles of high school guys much taller than I, <laughs> encircled my spot of viewing there close to the stage. They were bro-bra high-fiving the entire set, and I couldn't see, let alone hear, much of the concert. And I've got to say, that experience kind of sent me into a tailspin. For the next couple weeks, I found myself plunged into a kind of funk, a weird sort of amorphous depression, which Gracie kind of helped talk me out of. But in time, what I realized is that I had loaded that experience of seeing the Peppers live with so much expectation. I had made it pregnant with so much significance. I thought that seeing that band live in some way was going to save me. It was going to give me a sense of illumination, of revelation, and maybe somehow fix me, give me a different calibration toward life, and set me off on a whole new trajectory, make of my life a before and after. Fortunately, last week, I had a shot at redemption. 
The Red Hot Chili Peppers are still touring, and my long-suffering, patient, loving wife encouraged my decision to go to Los Angeles, California to see the Chili Peppers once again with three of my very best friends in the world, three of my college friends, and over Mother's Day. It's very poor planning on my part. And before I hopped in my car to drive down to Idaho Falls to catch that flight, Gracie said something very wise to me. She said, Trav, maybe this time don't load so much significance and expectation on this event. Why don't you just enjoy the time together with your friends and let the concert be what it will? And you know what? She was right. I I mean, the the Peppers played an amazing show. They played some of my favorite songs. But what I remember most strongly was the smiles on my friends' faces, the laughter we shared, and even the kind of banter of the band between songs, even the low moments, felt shot through with a little bit more significance. And it may have been the sense of contrition and guilt I was feeling at being away from home on Gracie's second Mother's Day, but I also found my mind wandering back to Jackson over the course of that entire concert. And it wasn't so much homesickness, but it was a sense of deep appreciation for my life here and for the world just being what it is. I remember at breakfast, the morning we got back to LA, one of my my friend's daughters turning to me over blueberries and pancakes and saying, Travis, do you like being you? Really profound question from a five-year-old. And I answered after a pause, yes, I do. This life is filled with so much beauty and so much goodness. And sometimes it's tough to get present to that fact. That experience of those two concerts, to me, sort of encapsulates this idea that theologians sometimes talk about as a tension between God's transcendence on one side and God's imminence on the other. When we talk about experiencing God's transcendence, we think of God, the great creator, the source of all goodness, truth, and beauty, the source of all that is and came into being. And when we think about accessing that type of God, we sometimes have to climb out of ourselves, out of the limitations of this world to be able to sort of bridge this gap between where we are and where God is. The word transcendence in Latin literally means to sort of scamper across or to climb across. Imminence, on the other hand, is about experiencing God in the here and now. The word imminence means to remain within. And rather than trying to escape the limitations of this world, of our own bodies, of our messy human day-to-day experience, we find ways to experience God's love and goodness and beauty in the midst of this in the midst of the imperfection. If we think about transcendence, there's a sort of, I think, confused premise that we have to start from. The idea is that there's something amiss with us, something that needs fixing. And if we can escape the limitations of this reality, somehow all that can be put to right. When we think about imminence, we might think of ourselves more in that wonderful phrase of Henry Nouwen as wounded healers. Yes, nothing's perfect, but still in the midst of this world with all its imperfection and chaos, there's this soil and bread and wine and blood and tears and so much goodness 
even in the midst of it, and when we share that with one another, we experience a type of communion. I think a caution against seeking ways of experiencing God as transcendent and an invitation to deeper eminence is actually at the heart of our scripture readings for today as well. On Thursday, the church celebrated the Feast of the Ascension, and we've translated those readings to this morning. And we get two descriptions from the Acts of the Apostles and Luke's Gospel, which actually most scholars think was written by the same person. Two descriptions of this Ascension experience that Jesus had with his disciples. We know that Jesus resurrected, spent about 40 days hanging out with those disciples. The scriptures don't tell us much about what happened in those 40 days. We've got to presume that he's still healing people. He's still spreading good news to others. And then they kind of take this stroll outside of the city walls. And Jesus ascends before their eyes. And we've got this wonderful description in the, chapter, in the, the passage from Acts when they're staring there like just looking into space, and these two men appear who we're, say, we're told are dressed in dazzling white. So we've got to assume there's some kind of an angel or celestial being, and they basically reprimand them in this charming passage. They say, hey, what are y'all doing gawking at the sky? Jesus is ascended. Go and continue the work that he has empowered you to do. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I can relate so strongly to that experience of those disciples that morning. They've seen something absolutely mind-blowing that's blown their hearts wide open, and they want to hang to that experience for as long as they can. But these men say, no, Jesus is ascended, and you go forth. And the good news within that invitation is that they are now Jesus's bodies physically here on earth. Jesus has ascended. Now you and I, friends, become Christ's face and hands and feet, the body that Christ has to work with here on this world. So, rewind to me on Venice Beach a day after this concert. I'm on a long run, and I'm sort of piecing all this together in my head and thinking, yeah, Travis, you got this. You can lean more deeply into eminence rather than transcendence. You can see the beauty that's always already embedded in everything. And then as I'm sort of riding this high, I get a buzz on my cell phone. I open it up, and it's a text from my friend Dave, the head of Jackson Hole Lacrosse, informing me that two mothers and four young lacrosse players on the 14-under team had been in a tragic accident on their way back from a tournament late Saturday night. And I imagine that all of you know what it's like to be in that place of devastation at receiving such tragic news. I mean, my heart sunk with concern, first of all, for these people that I love, and then that whole matrix of grief emotions kicked into play. The fear, the anger, the sadness, the denial, the bargaining. And I just tried to find my footing again to try to figure out a way forward to wrap my heart around something that felt so tragic. I mean, one of these moms, a member of our congregation, I remember, I've been Christ to me in so many ways. I can remember seeing her face on the Zoom screen during my hiring conversation. 
I can remember her and her daughter, who's been also in the ICU, bringing trays of food to our rented condo from the very best restaurant in Jackson, Cafe Genevieve, when we first arrived. And once I, once I learned that they were in stable condition and felt that sense of re relief, I started reflecting on what sort of sense we as people of faith can ever make in the face of such overwhelming tragedy. And the thought that came to me, like so many of the truths and teachings of our faith, is something that's very easy to understand intellectually, but very difficult to put into practice in the presence of our lives. When we're faced with overwhelming tragedy, difficulty, and challenge, I think the real invitation for all of us is to stay present, to keep our hearts open, to not let our feelings harden and to feel all of the feelings that want to come, the sadness, the heaviness, the difficulty. We refuse to let our feelings harden and then we create space for the Holy Spirit to somehow, some way, after time, enter in. There's a wonderful passage in a book on love by the, writing Lewis, the writer C.S. Lewis that I think encapsulates this invitation to maintain an open heart, a soft heart when our feelings want to harden that I'd love to read with you. C.S. Lewis says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable. When we find ourselves in these moments, seeking the presence of Jesus, who's already ascended, we find ourselves in these moments faced with tragedy and cataclysm, vulnerability, staying open is the invitation. To, me, to be vulnerable means to be woundable. But when we leave ourselves open and to accept whatever life might bring our way and to feel those feelings, grace does come in. And I've seen it in so many different ways this week. I've seen it in the ways that this community and the wider Jackson community has come together for these families, establishing four meal trains, showering these families in love to the, to the degree that they got to, we've gotten a, a front page article in the paper. I've seen our rector get up early Monday morning to go down and see that mother, the member of our congregation, in her hospital in Idaho Falls. And when she and her friend asked Jimmy, when are you headed back to Jackson, driving the two hours back, he said, well, I thought I'd actually drive down to Salt Lake City and say a prayer with your daughter. He said he saw tears well in his eyes. He made that trip and then went back just so he could say to that mother, 
I've seen your baby girl with my own two eyes. She's going to be okay. There are so many opportunities we're all given each day to embody Christ's love to one another. And we stay open. New realities of grace can flow through us in ways we never could imagine. These last few years, as I've been rekindling my obsession with the chili peppers, this journey has led me into a number of places of unexpected wisdom. The primary source of wisdom has been from the so-called fifth member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rick Rubin, a famed music, music producer who looks a little bit like Jesus. Rick Rubin started the Beastie Boys and Def Jam record label in his dorm room as an NYU undergrad, then went on to produce artists from the Chili Peppers to Neil Young to Neil Diamond, and he's got long flowing hair, a lion's mane of a beard, bare feet, and looks like Jesus if Jesus was reincarnated in Malibu and lived in the band's old studio. Rick Rubin has just written a beautiful book on creativity. And in that book, he says that he actually feels highly underqualified to be a world-class record producer. He doesn't play any instrument. He doesn't know his way around a soundboard. But he describes his job as being like a coach or a counselor or a midwife to the artist with him in the studio. He says that his job is always to help them get out of the way of themselves so that inspiration can flow through them. And if we look at Jesus's life, something very simple, similar seems to happen when we read the Gospels deeply. Jesus doesn't overly strategize about how to go about his ministry. He simply moves through the world, says, stays open, and then lets the Holy Spirit work through him to embody love for the people that he meets. And y'all, that's our job as well, to continue staying open, to help, to try to get out of the way of ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can flow through us, despite what we seem to come across in life. And today I want to close in a little bit different way. I want to play a song for you which for me totally encapsulates this invitation to stay open even in the midst of life's uncertainty and tragedy. It's a song by a band that was also produced by Rick Rubin called the Avit Brothers. And you'll see that in your bulletin, I've given you the lyric sheet that you can follow along with if you like. The Avit Brothers, as some of you may know, are from North Carolina, and they're sort of have a reputation for just being really good guys. They're very humble, they're very loving, and Rick Rubin in a documentary says that he wanted to work with them just because he thought spending time around these guys would make life a little better. They've also known tragedy in their life, and this song is an invitation to stay open in the midst of life's confusion, or as the song puts it, in the midst of all life's loveliness, and all of its ugliness. So I invite you to read along if you'd like, or to close your eyes and let these words wash over you as a prayer, as an invitation to stay open, to feel the feelings we need so that God's grace and love can flow through us in all we do and say and are.
and my body won't hold me anymore and it finally lets me free will I be ready when my feet won't walk another mile and my lips give their last kiss goodbye will my hands be steady when I lay down my fears my hopes and my doubts the rings on my fingers and the keys to my house with no hard feelings When the sun hangs low in the west And the light in my chest Won't be kept Held at bay any longer When the jealousy fades away And it's ash and dust For cash and lust And it's just hallelujah and love and thought, love in the words, love in the songs they sing in the church, and no hard feelings. Lord knows they haven't done much good for anyone.